When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot! Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five... Four, three, two, one. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us. Good Monday, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I certainly did. And thanks to all of you who reached out and said uh, happy birthday and all that good stuff. Appreciate it. Had a good time. Uh, the The folks in Atlanta were uh, uh, hospitable. They, uh, the, the, the team wasn't to my pirates, but alas, they're not tasked with being that i will say to answer a question scott you asked this several others did uh yeah impressive uh truest park is uh, is definitely impressive tom you said it before i went there that you thought i'd be impressed i am the ballpark itself is is okay it's whatever it's not uh, it doesn't do anything for you it's nice it's new uh but that battery area the surrounding area the presentation of the game um the the things to do in that area all a great time great energy you know it's interesting in baseball as an aside here for a moment that is uh, the these the newer parks have figured something out and it's directly related to the trend of uh the younger demo not being able to sit and watch nine innings of baseball for baseball's sake <laughs> and that is that these areas have to be revenue centers they have to be places you would go if there were no baseball game uh they have to be places that you want to be uh, around and part of uh, and have the energy of a game, yes. And in the case of Atlanta, they've got the best of both worlds right now. Um, they have a team that's elite and in the midst of an 11-game win streak now. And when you watch them play, as I did in person, and obviously I watched the Braves win the World Series last year, it's just interesting the pressure that that lineup puts on teams. You can really just see where it will wear you down, especially if you're a you know underfunded, terrible baseball team like my Pirates are. Uh you know, you can play a good brand of baseball for the day, 
uh, on my birthday, they were up 4-2 in the seventh and probably gave up eight runs. <laughs> and that was grand opening, grand closing. Not often you get to see a game where four home runs between the two teams are hitting the first inning, which was fun for my boys to see uh, and, and fun for me to see, and, uh, and also be a part of uh, witnessing an eight-run inning, albeit against my team. But the point is the Braves fans have really the best. Uh, I, I hope they appreciate this now the way that, Tom, you and I do. I was reminded of this uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is so rare that you have an organization that's extremely well run, that's invested in, uh, that plays in a place that's fun to be at and be a part of, and who cares about its fans, and then also puts a product on the field that is world class. Uh, in the case of the Lightning, it's on the ice. In the case of the Braves, it's on the field, on the diamond. And uh, they're synonymous right now with uh, being the best in the sport. And when you have that, boy, you got to appreciate it. Uh, you know, that seems to be a theme. Uh, but man, when you're when you when you're around it and you can see the and you can feel the energy and you can see the quality and I, you know what it wasn't lost on me. I don't have to like the Braves to appreciate what they have, and I do, and I love baseball, and so I thought this would be a place that I'd love to go to a lot of games to. Uh, so doff the cap to Truist and to what the Braves organization has done. Uh, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. I. Uh, you know, I had my Pirates garb on and everything else. I had a Dave Parker shirt on and a uh, Pirates cap, and everybody was really cool. It was like there was a, a respect for that, and uh, I had some people come up and ask me, uh, you know, about Pirate fandom and, and all of that, and some of the old-timers and I were able to talk about the, the Sid Bream play. Of course, they want to bring that up. I know. Uh, I'm not going to get get out of there with that, but it was fun. It was, it was you know, good conversations, good baseball talk. I thought the fans were knowledgeable, so I, uh, I doffed the cap. Uh, now I hope you lose the rest of your games. Uh, so there's, <laughs> and that's not going to happen. Uh, so there, there's all of that. Uh, but yeah, I was reminded of that too, thinking about when you go to Emily, when you, when you see the lightning play, you can tell that's an organization that's beloved by the city, uh, the fan, and this is before, um, winning back-to-back Stanley cups and going to a third, uh, with an opportunity to win uh, back-to-back-to-back Stanley cups, uh, th- that, that, that owner understood that if you invest in the community and you build, uh, an elite place to play hockey, and you invest in the community, people will support you, and that will create an energy, and it, you'll feel like it's it's the place to be. Uh, and we're certainly hoping that at some point we see a return to the positive energy uh, that I'm referencing around Florida State Athletics. It's It's been in pockets. It's been in pockets, but we know football fuels all that. We know that if you get a, a football team that's winning, uh, those of us who were around it forever certainly know that creates an energy. I talked about it a couple weeks back. Uh, that you know fuels the city. Restaurants do better. Uh, the city's energized. Uh, there's an anticipation each week and a buildup uh, that is is something that is you know sorely missing in Tallahassee and has been for some time because we've experienced this. Uh, a wonderful place to raise your kids, wonderful place to live. It's a charming city, I think, Tallahassee. Um, but it's it's better when, when sports are good. When Florida A&M is playing well and Florida State's playing well, uh, people get uh, enthused, energized, and focused. And it's been a while. So let's hope, let's hope we get that. Now, as it relates to uh, the, the the pressure on Norvell towards the end of the last hour, people were asking if a firing of Mike Martin Jr. is any indicator uh, to Mike Norvell, and for that matter, the other coaches, uh, that, uh, hey, look, we're watching a little bit more closely. Uh, I would hope, I would think, and Tom, myself, and Ira, and Gene Williams are going to do a video about it later on today uh, that you'll be able to find on War Chan TV as well. 
but I think that's a no-brainer, right? I think a lot of people watched and, and heard on Friday the news and thought, okay, looks like Florida State's done fooling around. And I don't know anybody uh, who, who wouldn't be happy about that because I certainly lamented the role or lack thereof of a uh, athletic director here at Florida State for the last number of years. I, I reference it all the time. So in that sense, it's uh, you know it's sad news for, for the Martin family, sad news for people who, who know and, and, and care for Mike and, uh, and wanted to see him succeed. I certainly did want to see him succeed. One thing I will say, Tom, I, I, I'll bring you in on this one. I remember we, we had this conversation. The sense was that he was going to get the job, certainly, and we know that he had done some really good things just purely from a baseball standpoint when he was in charge of the offense uh, for his dad, and, and, and Florida State had several seasons where they were top five and on-base percentage and run score, did a lot of good things. I remember thinking, um, okay, well, I wonder what he's going to do different, and he talked a little bit about what he wanted to do different and, and some of the things that he would change, but I also remember thinking in my head, he better win early. He better win early because there was a large enough contingent of Florida State supporters, boosters, money people who did not like the hire. And if you have a fractured fan base and you have people who are obviously adamantly for or vehemently against, then by definition, obviously there's no cohesion there. You better give them a reason. Like the group that's on the other side of that scenario – Better find a reason to back off and say, okay, I feel good about this. And when he didn't do that, I thought, man, this this is going to get ugly. It could get ugly. And it didn't take very long. Well, it, it worked temporarily because he, he did well against the rivals early on. He continued to. I mean, that's the one thing in his record that won't change. His record against both Florida and Miami is good. And mm-hmm. it wasn't for the program for a while. Yeah. Um, but what I go back to is, you know, preseason – citing a conversation that you had with um, David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, who are in trouble right now. There's another franchise that's in trouble. Um, and he was talking about how, depending upon how a couple things work out, a couple kids end up developing, maybe five or six pitchers on this team. Four to at, six. Four to six is what he said. Four to six. Okay. At some point, you know, when they're draft eligible, could be top 50, top 60 players or prospects. And then you fast forward, and, and I, I didn't really think about that until Saturday this past weekend. And I was thinking, man, so preseason, you've got a major league scouting department with a dude who really doesn't have a dog in the fight because he's an Auburn grad telling you that you've got this amount of talent, like a, a crazy amount of talent, things that we were dreaming about when he took over, Mike Martin Jr. took over, on the mound, in that pitching staff. And by the end of the year, you could get to two strikes, but you really couldn't get anybody out. Like, what is that? And then you, you stack those things against uh, or next to a list of what things do we do well from an offensive standpoint, and you don't have much. What do we do poorly? And you, here's one, two, three, four things. You're talking base running, empty at bats. And then what other details? Fielding, um, communication level, uh, body language. And it's just all of these things are listed in the not-so-good department, and then you go to the other column and you say, mm-hmm. potential. They had potential. That's in the good column because a major league scout is telling you that you have this much collected talent and you're not living up to it. It, it becomes kind of an easier argument to make and, and an easier one to see why Florida State made the decision they did. But it's just it's just a tough deal because, uh, like you, meat's been nothing but great to me over, over this period of time. And I thought that by now we'd be seeing a lot more signs to where the fan base would indeed 
be unified behind him. But for every 10-game winning streak or whatever it was, six-game winning streak, there'd be an equally bad six-game losing streak where you're going, well, I don't even know what to make of this group. I'll give you um, a scenario that I think would have benefited him greatly. Uh, years ago, he all but had the South Alabama job. And I remember when he was up for that and he wanted it because he understood the opportunity and the necessity to get out from under his father's uh, legacy and go and succeed on his own accord elsewhere. That would have cemented, good or bad, um, a, a greater resume for Florida State to consider, right? Florida State's fans that were not going to be in favor of him would have had something else to look at and say, oh, yay or nay, based on his successes or failures at South Alabama. Uh, he was in the running for, if I remember correctly, the Wake Forest job and had a real good chance to get that job. But part of the things that part of the problem that, that that really followed him everywhere in those moments where he interviewed for these jobs and had a chance to get them, he was undercut oddly enough by his last name. That people in a position of power making these decisions, even if he was a finalist and he had been, thought, well, the one downside to this is if we hire him, we know it is a short-term hire because he'll come back to Florida State if he has success. If you're in an interview process and you bring in a guy and you're impressed by his answers and you're impressed by his resume and you whittle it down and he's a candidate, he's one of the last two standing, and you're sitting there and you say to yourself, well, I really like everything about him, and then the final thing is that you think he's going to leave you because you think he's going to be successful for you and he's just going to take the Florida State job and you don't get the job. I mean, at that point, you can understand why schools did that. Like that, hey, it's 50-50, this guy or that guy. Well, this guy's leaving us the first chance he gets to go back to Florida State. His dad is old. He's going to retire soon. We know it. This is a short-term hire. And that really hurt him because I don't know what would have happened and none of us do. He might have gone and failed miserably, in which case he would not have been a candidate. He might have gone and had great success, in which case his candidacy would have been further cemented and believed in by the those that were doubtful. Uh, all would have been a better case scenario, all of which would have been a better situation for him. But it never happened, and then when he was elevated from within, a lot of people second-guessed that. In retrospect, they, they probably feel uh, emboldened today, you know? Uh, understandably, uh, they, they, you know, the, the resentment that they had for that hire now, that experiment is over, and they're celebrating that. Uh, again, I understand why Mike Martin Jr. was fired. Uh, I thought it was a distinct possibility. The longer this season went on, the more pressing. Uh, I, I, I certainly tried as often as I could on the air. I mean, look, let's put it this way. If I come in here and I tell you, that a coaching staff is responsible for a team that does this poorly, this poorly, this poorly, and this poorly. And you just named four distinct aspects of baseball in which the coaching staff was responsible for the team performing poorly in. If that's anybody else, we would say, if we're watching that from afar, you you would say aloud repeatedly, they should fire that guy. Yeah, and, and I mean, really, it's it's comprehensive, too. I get that they had winning streaks, and, and even this season, to a degree, they had success against the rivals. Certainly Miami, they had success against. But you're talking about everything from the on-the-ground stuff, like base running, to the big-picture stuff that the uh, the general of the team would, would understand, and you would hope that they would. Like, where is Scalaro going to pitch? 
let's not use the ninth inning. You know, let, let's let's run him out there to start a game. Maybe he could be an opener for us, get us two or three innings and ride it as long as it goes for a given day. Like, everything in between. So the big picture decisions and then the in-the-moment play of the players all screamed disconnect. And that's probably the kindest word that you could use is disconnect. Because, unfortunately, what I saw the day that they played Auburn in Auburn that Saturday night mm. was worse. It was more than just a disconnect. And um, it wasn't just that the players were showing it. You could feel it in the stands, and it sucked. And I was hoping that maybe they'd bounce back the next day, beat UCLA, and, and go on a magical run. And almost make did. Too. And they almost did. I mean, listen, Scolaro pitching in his last game was the best thing that could have been uh, on the mound for Florida State because – you don't question what he wants to do. This could be his last day wearing that uniform. So you know he's going to air it out. But I wonder if some other guys were out there, would they have aired it out? And and that and that wonder, that concern that I have, yeah, you should never be speaks volumes speaks volumes about where the situation was. Well, and look, and the, the the conversation is always more nuanced than fans want to make it. Fans think everything is black or white or cut and dry, and it's 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 not the case. But in this case, it's it's obvious why he was fired. I don't have a problem with it. I've said that repeatedly. I'm not going to waver off of that. But what I would say is that we we talk about baseball being the cruelest of games for a lot of reasons. Well. Tennessee just had a season in which they led the country in home runs and ERA. I mean, like the t- two things, two really big factors in whether or not you win games, whether you stop people from scoring and you score a lot of runs and you hit for a ton of power. And they did all those things, and they hosted as the national number one seed a handful of losses in an over 50-plus game season, and they're bounced. They don't even see Omaha. And that's not the first time something like that's happened. Unfortunately, it's happened to us. You just watched Arkansas as the one seed a year ago not win it in Omaha, not get out there, didn't get out there. Another number one seed that did not get out there. UCLA did not win it as a one seed three years ago. So baseball is the cruelest. You can be great. You can put together an awesome season, and there are no guarantees any of that means a damn thing on a weekend where it's a truncated series. A truncated series in baseball, this is why they play four out of seven in Major League Baseball, It's that typically you're going to find a winner, and even then, not, not always the best team, but you've got a better chance of it given the rounds that are necessary to pass through. 162 games holds a mirror up to you. You play more baseball, not less baseball. College is victimized by that. And you can lose a series two out of three very easily and find yourself at home. But the, the point would be that although that happened and frequently happens to higher-seeded teams and they don't get out there or they don't win at all, you still have to play good baseball and you have to show evidence that you're well-coached. And I look all around these super regionals and the regionals in general, and I saw evidence that there were teams that were better coached. And if you want to argue that it's not better coached, but they do a better job of executing what they're coached, it doesn't really matter. We're just talking semantics at that point. These teams, by and large, pick up the ball, run the bases well, communicate well, have solid at-bats. Yeah, and what I'd say is let's just argue for a moment in the hypothetical that maybe if they had a bad weekend, like the regional out of nowhere, you saw three or four completely uncharacteristic things. Yeah. Like a, throwing, yeah. a throwing error from a shorthanded shortstop. Right. Or you saw a base running error that you had never seen before. This yeah. player's never done that. That's one thing. And you might even be able to criticize the coach and say, "What was he wound too tight to have these guys doing things that are completely out of character? But when it is exactly what you've seen. All you want. Once, it's the continuation. Four, yes. Yeah. That's no, the problem. That's exactly it. I mean, like nobody – I said it – Last week when they lost, you would have been stunned had they won the regional. 
you're not surprised in the slightest they lost the regional. Like, the fact they lost the regional, nobody even, you know, you didn't even hunt your shoulders. You're like, yes, of course they did. Had they won it, we would have come in and gone, can you believe it? They won it. What a stunning turn of events. That sorry-ass team won the regional. That's what we would have done. We would have been in shock. Well, that uh, speaks volumes to where you are when you're a three-seed in a regional and you get bounced and nobody thinks anything of it. They just assume that, of course, that's what was going to happen. That that should never be the case. Like, you ought to be stunned. You ought to be heartbroken. You ought to be crestfallen when baseball is just baseball and you lose as a national one or four seed or, you know, seven seed or whatever it might be. Like, oh, man, that was always a possibility because baseball is cruel. But, damn it, I wish it hadn't happened to us. This was such a likable team. They did so many things so well. (laughs) That's not – nobody was saying that about this team. No, I mean, juxtapose it against uh, softball. You're stunned with oh, that's yeah, that's a huge choke, bad weekend, devastating turn of events because there was no real evidence that that would happen. Yeah, you are absolutely flabbergasted. You couldn't believe it. In fact, when it happened, like we were all looking around at each other, like, well, that just happened. Yeah, I'm I'm still angry, nodding about it. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, all right. <laughs> with baseball, I'm like, all right, on to the next. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you had already you had already pronounced them before they they got on the plane or the bus or whatever they took to Auburn. Ira Chaffel, Warchant.com is set to join us here in a few minutes. That'll be next. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 many other roofing companies hire subcontractors to do their work for them. T-Spark Enterprises hires employees. That's because they value the immense benefits that come with having a trusted, reliable, and highly trained crew that can be held to the high standards. T-Spark is known for experts in their craft with pride in their work. That's the T-Spark difference. T-Spark is the best in town, period. Call them today, 766-1340, or get a free quote online at tsparkconstruction.com. Com. I can see him waiting in the wings, and so it is. We turn to our good buddy, Irashfell, Warchant.com, and uh, I have an opportunity here in mere moments, Ira, to talk with you and, and Tom and Gene about the big-picture stuff that we've had a discussion on the show with today. I, I, I phrase this, or I categorize this sort of as a exciting time for Florida State fans, boosters, supporters of any kind, because I think they know now that Florida State's maybe 
graduating to a place where they're not so uh, hindered by finances. And if moods, uh, moves need to be made, they can be. Raises need to be granted, they can be. Uh, I think everybody wants their athletic department or they want to feel like their team's athletics are in a, a healthy place where tough decisions can be made. And right now we've graduated to a place, Ira, where the athletic director has real power, they're willing to give raises to those that earn it. They're willing to fire people that need to be fired in their estimation. So, that, I, I, to me, that's a that's an exciting time. Yeah, I think it's a you know I think what we've seen was when David Coburn went in as athletic director, I guess what, about four years ago at this point, the idea was to try to get the the budget in order, to try to conserve expenses, try to be a little bit more conservative, get things uh, headed in the right direction, so that whenever they came out of that period of time they could be more aggressive. And that's what you're seeing from Michael Offord. So Michael Offord kind of gets to be the hero. Uh, I think he's got the support of the administration to, to make uh, be more aggressive in a lot of these areas. Um, but I think it's made possible because Florida State really did things over the last few years to kind of get their ship back in order. Yeah, he has a chance to be a hero, but he could also be a villain. I mean, if he fails, and, and this is another aspect that I appreciate because we've watched it from afar. You've seen athletic directors who've been very aggressive and make decisions uh, that, that cost them their job. And you knew where the buck stopped. You said, okay, well, he's responsible. It didn't work out. we got to let him go. Other guys have succeeded wildly for long periods of time, and you thought, man, I envy that. There's a guy that has autonomy. There's a guy making tough decisions, and he keeps pulling the trigger, and it's working out for him. And, man, I wish we had a guy that could be that aggressive. I just, again, over the years that I've been on the air, you know, I, I've talked about how that largely the athletic director didn't share the same responsibilities as they did at other universities because of the booster arrangement and that we hadn't had a real one uh, with that kind of power anyhow since Dave Hart. So to me, this is a, a welcome change to Florida State's athletic departments in the way that it's run. Yeah, and it, you know, it was also a unique situation at Florida State for a long time because you had Bobby Bowden, who had yeah. been in the same job for 35 years. You had Mike Martin Sr., who was in the same job for 40 years. You know, Leonard Hamilton's been here 20 years. I mean, so many of the programs were kind of let's say, on cruise control. And the good part of that was that you had that continuity and you had these kind of legendary coaches. The downside of that is when when the, the world starts to change and the landscape starts to change, mm -hmm. a lot of times you're going to be slow to react. Because, you you know, think about Mike Martin Sr. And, and what he his salary he got from Florida State. You know, he was making what he was making for so long. Meanwhile, all these other schools started really poning up their money and putting in resources. Same thing in football. You know, Bobby Bowden was able to do things kind of on the cheap and rely on the talent and his charisma and those kinds of things. But other schools were taking a much more aggressive approach, and Florida State was slow to react. So you're you're right. I mean, it is exciting, but it's also kind of a, a sign of how far Florida State has to go because they haven't been operating that way. Want to pick your brain about uh, all the comings and goings with football. I know you wrote a piece on Warchant.com about a massive defensive tackle. Anytime I read the headline, massive defensive tackle, I saw the Tafasi kid. I saw the picture of him. I get excited because obviously you win football games in the trenches. Talk a little bit about what you've observed and, and written about for Warchant.com in regards to uh, players that have said yes uh, to Mike Norvell's vision here recently. I know a defensive back has, and that's uh, a second guy that has now said yes uh, as part of next year's class. And, and and then some others that um, maybe they're expecting answers from. Look, I'll give them credit for not just star watching. You know, they're 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 the easiest thing you could do as a coaching staff, especially if you're not on top of the world, is to go out and get some maybe three stars that you know, hey, they've got some stars by their name, and and they've got some decent offers, and some four stars maybe who 
have a ton of talent, but maybe have other issues off the field or whatever. And but hey, you're going to take the four star because you know it it, it kind of lends credence to you as a recruiter. They're clearly not doing that, as you mentioned. You know, the two kids that uh, committed uh, the last weekend. One of them is a, a junior college defensive end who redshirted last year, uh, but he's a guy they think has tons of potential. Uh, and but they and they've seen him in person. They went out to watch another player at that junior college, uh, a player who they're probably not going to get, but they were watching him and they were really blown away by this kid. So he commits uh, over the weekend. Doesn't have a ton of offers. The defensive back who you mentioned came to camp uh, last week really blew them away in the camp, how long and athletic he is, 6'2", 6'3", can really run and jump. Uh, he's a get, another guy from Mississippi but doesn't have a lot of offers. I don't think he's taken a lot of – he hasn't done a lot of the camps, hasn't been on that circuit. So he's a guy that's really under the, the radar. So if, if you're critical of Mike Norvell and this recruiting staff, you could say, well, man, what are they doing? Who are they going and getting these guys? Tafase is another one who uh, was probably going to go to a prep school this year uh, because of academic issues. Uh, now all of a sudden it looks like he can get into a school and maybe be an academic redshirt. Florida State's competing with, you know, Virginia Tech and 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 uh, Arkansas and UConn. That's not probably where you want to be. Mm-mm. But I'll give them the credit for their evaluations. They these are guys they believe it's still early. You don't have to take commitments right now. Um, just be, just to have commitments. This signing day is not right around the corner. So I give them credit. They 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 believe in their evaluations, and I think. You got to give them some benefit of the doubt because I think the way they evaluated this last class says that they are pretty good evaluators. Yeah, that's the exciting part is that you feel like they have a pretty good grasp on at least the evaluation process. Now they still got to get some bigger gets, if you will. And we both know, and Michael said it last night on the Sunday Smash. Look, at the end of the day, those guys, the elusive five-star guys that the fan base wants to see, and certainly go a long way in helping your program take a next big step. Well, that's not happening unless you get wins. In the interim, you've got to really find the diamonds in the rough. You've got to find these guys that not a lot of people are on. And it's good to find out that your coaches are doing a good job of evaluating those types of players and offering and going after them. But in the interim, that's because you can't also get some of the uh, yeses or some of the guys on campus that you want to just yet. And that's all going to be decided by the first four games of the season. First five games of the season, we think, right. probably. this It's about what happens in the regular season. What a big year. I don't know if you share. We're, again, we're going to do a video right after this show. I, I'm kind of curious, Ira, if you share that uh, maybe the big picture stuff is encouraging because Florida State's shown an aggressiveness, both good and bad, like in terms of giving people raises, firing people if they need to be. Like, we already knew this was a big season. Now if you think the athletic department is freed from the shackles of uh, financial burdens, <laughs> it's an even bigger season. Hey, well, look, man, they made a commitment. And, and and when Michael Alford became athletic director of this new administration, you have a new president, new board of trustees chair. They made a commitment. They went to Mike, Mike Norvell and said, what do you need? What do you need to be successful? These are the positions. They, they added staff. They've added people in the recruiting department. They put in this money. Well, when you do that, you also want to expect returns. And so those returns have to be there. And like you said, you know, I don't, I don't think I don't necessarily think Mike Martin Jr. Jr. getting fired means some people want to make the leap that, oh, Norvell's in trouble if he doesn't win a bunch of games right away. I think Mike Norvell has a stronger track record as a head coach that Mike Martin Jr. did not have. But, look, they are they are upping the ante here. They're putting more money into it, and when you do that, you want to see more returns. Yeah, by definition. Good talking to you, Ira. Talk to you again real soon, buddy. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yep, be well. That's Irish Spell, Warchant.com. Uh, go over to Warchant.com and, and read uh, – uh, a couple of write-ups there. Managing editor Irish Chappelle wrote. Uh, one of them is about the Tafasi kid, six five, three hundred pounds. Uh, you know, it's funny. I see a lot of people on this chat, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Is uh, grown ass men 
It's time to sign grown-ass men. Let's get these biggins in here. It's a game-changer. Yeah, I'd say, you know, one thing about the upcoming class is at this time, I don't know that you can close on those high four stars or, or mm-hmm. low five, you know, low five star, five stars uh, if you wanted to. Well, you can. So in the interim, you've got to find the players that will say yes to you and then hope that enough wins early and having a good September for the first time for this program since 2015 might be enough to get you some visits, to get you the momentum necessary to go close a few of those kids in December. But you, you can't do nothing right now just because the kids that we want to get to come to Tallahassee aren't going to say yes. You can't just sit here and do nothing. So that's where I think I'm okay with them using their track record as people who evaluate and then people who develop uh, to, to go find those diamonds in the rough. I just I, I don't think it's an all-or-nothing argument where I'm not happy right now. Like Ryan says, that they're, they're recruiting Memphis-level players. Well, you got to recruit somebody right now. you got to have a baseline for the class built up, and then you hope. The plan is always to succeed if you're a coach. When you do succeed, that's when you can dunk and go get some of the guys that put you over the top. But right now, you got to build a baseline for this particular And build countless relationships with coaches in the state and the surrounding areas, the region for which you can certainly delve into and grab the better players who are not interested in you right now because, uh, you know, proof of concept, however you want to say it, hasn't been given uh, in the way of wins, in the way of results. Right. Um, you know, you may believe in the vision. You may believe in what he tells you when you come to visit. But obviously, you're still not committing to a team that hasn't had a winning season in a number of years. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I want to be in that other place. Don't get me wrong. I want to be in that other place where you can go get those kids. And then you could turn a bunch of projects away. But that's not where we are currently. <laughs> no. And and you've got to have this September, man. I hate that song every time it comes on the radio just because all I think about is losing. That's all we do in the month of September. If this one's different, then if it was a different, and it will be a different, then I think we'll be a little bit better off. Got to be, got to be no worse than uh, two and one uh, through those first three games. Obviously, you got a gimme in Duquesne. Lose that one, it's a moot point. You just fire him on the spot. I would, well, fire, I would fire him on the spot. By the way, and even then, that's August, so it doesn't count as a September win. Well, I'm just so- saying, it would, it, I would, <laughs> I, if they lost to Duquesne, I would fire him as he left the field. Um, and I would do so in a way in which others could get involved, and we would chant and like light stuff on fire. Like that, that would, I mean, burn it to the ground. You lose to Duquesne, burn it to the ground. Don't there, even go to New Orleans. No, then. there'd be a sacrifice of some sort. That'd be the end of that. You can't. <laughs> that was that would be the end of that. I'd be just like torch it. It's over. <laughs> By the way, good job, Matthew. Good job with the graphic. It's Jeff Cameron Show, ninety-three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Don't forget about my boys, Chad and Shannon, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans, of course. If you're out there... Wanting to be sure that you get the best possible rates, 
utilization of cutting-edge technology. Obviously, you want to be able to communicate in a transparent, direct fashion, educationally, all that good stuff. That's all part of a five-star mortgage experience. You know that you're going to get a different kind of mortgage experience when you deal with these guys as they've worked with family and friends and done a fantastic job. I'm probably going to be hitting them up here in the not-too-distant future about an add-on for my house. Again, I'm talking about Hamilton Home Loans. Reach out to Shannon today, Chad or Shannon. Diehard Knowles, guys, you can talk about your future within your home or a new home, but also Florida State football and the like. They're one of us. Look them up and uh, and and make sure you do so and say that, uh, hey, I was listening to Jeff Cameron today. He said, go find out uh, about Chad and Shannon, Hamilton Home Loans, FSUHomeLoans.com, 844-FSU-LOAN. All right, well, deep breath. We're not going to get better players until we get more wins. There's that, so. Um, I'm, I'm laughing at you guys in the chat. It's just June, guys. Deep breaths. Although, Tom, we're getting close to that time where we can see Charlotte, right? It is close. Like, it's not that far off till we head up to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is always an indicator that football is near. And uh, that's just that's about a month from right now uh, yeah. that we go up to Charlotte and have an opportunity to kind of talk to coaches. Not kind of. We do talk to coaches and talk to players and get a better sense of uh, what what their expectations are. And certainly, I always enjoy talking to others in other ACC markets about what they think Florida State's going to be. Sometimes you can even glean some insight there. Yeah, it's um, the perception of what this program is 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 now akin to you know, what what we thought Wake was for a long time, or you know, and that's probably being too kind at this point for what Wake currently is. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's funny to see. Folks in Charlotte, because that was my first assignment last year for Warchant. Um, I remember calling in and doing interviews with you back back here in, in Tallahassee. Yep. And it's just their brain switches to the next thing when Florida State comes up to the podium or whatever it is. Like some of these media members that should be covering Florida State because they're the ones you read on the front pages of your favorite college football websites uh, that are national reporters. They leave the room because they're going to find another interview for somebody who matters. And you're like, wow, look at this. They, I mean. They're just going to find Clemson. They're going to find and talk to Miami players. They're talking. I mean, it, that's where we are now, and and you have to get used to that look in the other media members' eyes when Florida State comes up. Uh, and we just hope that in the next year or two, that they stay in the room when Mike Norvell or whoever is at the podium, and they stay in the room because there's a Heisman candidate or oh my God, can you Florida imagine? State. Can you imagine? It's just if you were to you know if you were to rank the Heisman candidates. From one to fifty in the ACC, when you're at the AC, or all the players that are there in attendance, where would Florida State's players be? And every year, it's in the teens or the twenties. It's just, it's a sad thing. But I am excited to go back to Charlotte this year because I think once again, uh, FSU has something to feel better about than the year before, and that was the case last year. I know Mackenzie Milton got a lot of run last year, and that ended up being a whole nothing burger. But you, you could sense that Florida State was better than the year before. And it had been a while since that was the case heading to Charlotte. It's going to be the case again. And in five weeks' time, we'll be on Radio Row conducting some fun interviews. Yeah, I think I think the interesting factors here is it's really been more about what is reasonable, how much better, but never a factor. right? Never like, okay, well, this is a team that can win the Atlantic. This is a team that could pull some upsets. This is a team that is taking a huge leap forward. It was sort of like, we know you guys are bad. Are you at least a little better than you were? 
two years ago or last year. And I think that this might be the first time in Charlotte in a long time where people start having the discussion of, okay, you're still not where you need to be. You're still not elite. You're still not a college football playoff threat. You're not the Florida State that a lot of people envision when they think of the the history of the last 40 years of Florida State football. But are you a team that is at least finally going to finish second, let's say, in the Atlantic behind Clemson? Or if Clemson stumbles, can you be right there just behind, say, maybe NC State if you think they're the favorite? You know, can you not be uh, mired uh, down on the depth of the ACC also runs? Because that's what most of the ACC is, right? Like uh, the perception of Power Five conferences and 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 where where Florida State sits amongst the ACC, which is already considered secondary. Uh, you know, that's embarrassing. When people are like, well, Wake's better than you are, Louisville's better than you are, NC State's better than you are, and Clemson's better than you are. Right. And, right. And they're I mean, golly. And they're tired of asking what happened to you. Because at that point, they've asked it for so many years in a row that they're just tired. They're like, ah, wake me up when Florida State is, is anything decent again. Uh, but the thing is, this is also an objective opportunity for Florida State. And I mean that not just in the PR way like a coach would say. It's an opportunity to play the number one team in the country. <laughs> what when opportunity, you're, yeah. When you're a 40-point dog. Right that you're going to be on national television for the whole country to see against LSU, and then you're following that up after a bye week doing the same thing against Louisville. So if you do play well early on in the season and you're trying to capture the attention of recruits who can mm-hmm. change this mm-hmm. thing so that they will listen to your NIL pitch down the line because all many NIL opportunities are going to be the same. So what's the dividing line and what's the separator's wins? Well, you've got two nights where you're the only game on in the country. And if you can show something positive for once around here and not have it be a performance like the Virginia Tech game on a Monday night to start Willie's tenure, then you might have the momentum that you're looking for. And I think that's what most people are going to be talking about early on in the season. FSU Louisville, the hierarchy of that middle tier in the ACC Atlantic, and then also can Florida State actually show out for the ACC in a positive way against an SEC program that is also mired in the middle somewhere while we are trying to get on the way back up. This week on the College Sportsbook, I will look ahead at some futures here out of the ACC. I've already mentioned before that there's real value in a team like NC State at 9-1 to to win the ACC. Uh, did a video, in fact, talking about that. There's there's value, at least in terms of the odds, in a, in a Wake Forest that has a veteran quarterback and won a lot of football games with a very powerful offense, a well-coached team. Uh, I don't think Wake will win the ACC, but there was value in their number as well. But I'm going to start getting into some of these win totals that Tom and I talked about last week. Also this week, I'm going to look on the College Sports Book, and we'll mention it on this show too. Usually there's a crossover effect. Um, I'm also going to take a little bit closer look at the Coastal, um, see some numbers there that we like. So it's exciting. More and more of these numbers are presenting themselves here with so many competing sports books. That's not surprising. We'll get more of that. If you would, Matthew, let's do some probables. Time to get some baseball out there while we can. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Braves, Nationals, Braves can't lose right now. Ian Anderson on the hill for the Bravos. Josiah Gray for the Nationals. Marlins, Phillies, Sandy Alcantara and Aaron Nola. Nola's having a good season. It's been good. Orioles, Blue Jays, Kyle Bradish and Alik Manoa. White Sox, Tigers, that's Lance Lynn, Ronnie Garcia. I think Tony Larusa gets fired this week. I think probably, probably so. Even money, even money. By the way, Tom, when you're uh, 
when you're watching a White Sox game and a chant breaks out for the manager to be fired in a home game. Yeah, that's got some issues. Uh, Pirates, Cardinals, Mitch Keller going for the Buccos. Zach Thompson goes for the Cardinals. We can all wish for the Pirates to break a losing streak here. I know most all of you out there really pulling for the Buccos tonight. Padres, Cubs, you Darvish, Justin Steele, Astros, Rangers, that's Christian Javier, Taylor Hearn, Reds, D-backs, Mike Monner, Merrill Kelly. Seems like Merrill Kelly just is a... I mean, do they pitch him every night, Tom? Yes. Yes. Confirmed. Royals, Giants, Brady Singer, Alex Wood, Twins, Mariners, Chris Archer, and Chris Flexen. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. I had a good set of Braves fans in front of me in Atlanta this past uh, weekend. Nice guys. Guy in front of me uh, was indifferent about the game, went with his friends who are Braves fans. He was from Minneapolis, Tom, and he was a huge Twins fan. I told him I had been to Target Field and thought it was nice, but it was, you know, it didn't do. It wasn't, you know, it was what it was. It's an okay field. Yeah, I have to say, too, down in Amelie that the folks were great to the wife. Uh, she had the Rangers jersey on, and there was nary an incident. Not, not one chirp, not one anything. Uh, very peaceful, unlike leaving Madison Square Garden and getting cold cocked in the yeah, face. Yeah. A dude from Staten Island. And the joke was, if you if you had like New York humor inside baseball, but uh, the joke up there was, that dude must be from Staten Island. And sure as hell, <laughs> when the report came out, the dude was from Staten Island. But uh, an exceptional atmosphere down in Tampa on Saturday. The crowd isn't always up to speed. Sometimes I'm disappointed, but on Saturday, they were ready to go. It was a lot of fun. Tom, to answer your question, the uh... – Roundtable for War Chan is not live. We're doing it uh, after the show today. Uh, it will be posted tonight. You can find the video, and you'll get to hear our comments on the situation at Florida State and what all of this means and what we're looking ahead to. Uh, and that's and that's a good thing. I mean, I, I like having these kinds of conversations. This advances the conversation. This advances where Florida State's athletic department is at. This gets us to a place where you can kind of see the light a little bit here, I think. I think you, for a long time, felt like you were hindered greatly because of the financial um you know, hole that you found yourself in. Yes, the previous athletic director was sort of a a, a bean counter, not an athletic director at all, uh, but rather a man who was tasked with the you know responsibility of uh, seeing some wages cut and financial fiscal responsibility, so we can get to a place where if you need to make a move, you could. And and now they found a situation where you have an athletic director who is uh, who's got real power and is not afraid to act. I again will reiterate something I said at the start of the show. They don't make this move without the understanding that with it comes a financial responsibility that is likely, bare minimum, double uh, what you were just paying the man who you released. Uh, bare minimum. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's that's the commitment that's more important than the name necessarily. I want Link Jarrett just like everybody else. If you're going to go get somebody, get somebody with a track record like Link Jarrett and has the connections like Link Jarrett does. But as long as you've got the money to commit to the issue, that tells me that long-term, whether this next move yeah, works or yeah. doesn't, you are in it. You are in it to win it. And I thought we were there was a distinct possibility we were going to a place where we're all in for football and come what may for most other sports. And I, I don't know that I believe that anymore, and that's really cool. It's really cool. Good work out of you, sir. Hopefully your air conditioning is fixed from our friends at Barano Heating and Air Conditioning by the time you go downstairs. 
So it's only a couple hundred bucks, not a couple of grand. So I'm very thankful. There you go. Good work out of you, Director Matthew. Thanks to all of you who listened on 93.3 and or watched on War Chant TV. Be well, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow. Be good.